Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Laura Marquez, AVP of IT Applications at UConn Health. In part one, Marquez talks about how her team is working with patients to ensure a frictionless experience across the system, why she believes it's so important to bring nursing informaticists into the fold, and the biggest challenges organizations face when it comes to IT governance. So I'm really glad we could set aside time to chat. Just for a very high-level, general look at UConn Health, can you just talk a little bit about what you have in terms of the hospitals and what some of your offerings are and where you're located? Yeah, so we are a 224-bed academic medical center located in Farmington, Connecticut, and we really pride ourselves on serving that community as the state organization. So we really are um, focused on touching all lives of Connecticut and have a great ambulatory network. So we have many, many clinics, a wide variety of specialties. And then of course, we are also have a medical school and dental school. So we're very diverse in those who we serve and just been a wonderful opportunity to continue to use technology in different ways to, to help our caregivers. Right. So in your role as um, AVP of IT applications, can you talk about what you consider to be really your core objectives right now? I'm sure there are a lot. Yeah. yeah. So we're an epic shop. So we certainly have uh, no shortage of work there, just keeping up with all of our quarterly updates and the new migration to hyperdrive. But some of our real important things on our roadmap right now is we are partnering with Connecticut Children's. And we are standing up a NICU within our hospital, uh, but we're bringing them onto our electronic health record. So it's been a great cross collaboration with Connecticut Children's, you know, to partner and find some creative solutions for how we can best serve those very critical, critically needed babies. Okay. That is going live in June. So right around the corner. Okay. And were they on any kind of EHR at this point? They are still on paper. So Yukon Health went live in 2018 and the NICU, because it is owned and operated by Connecticut Children, it was out of scope for the EMR implementation. And, you know, I think we certainly all had plans to bring it live much sooner, but unfortunately, you know, we, uh, with the pandemic, got waylaid, as did every organization, for what were the top priorities. So we've made it a point to make sure we circle back and get them brought up to an electronic health record. Okay. So um, obviously, that's not something that a lot of people are dealing with at this point. It's usually a migration so kind of a different right. set of challenges. Yes, absolutely. And Connecticut Children, you know, they're on their own Epic instance. We have our own instance. And so really trying to work through some of those unique scenarios for, you know, the legal medical record and things like release of information or the, the MyChart account. You know, those are two different accounts between Yukon Health and Connecticut Children. So you know, I'm pleased to say that it's just been a wonderful opportunity to and relationship that we've established with Connecticut children. So it's, we're all excited for the go live. Okay. Okay. And then what are some of the other areas you're looking at right now? Yeah, we're also really focusing on access. 
So, you know, Epic is rolling out their new CRM, their customer relationship management module called Cheers. So we are looking at that. But we're really even taking a step back to say, how can we improve our access for our patients in terms of reducing our new patient lead time? How can we, let's stand up more direct scheduling. Let's implement fast pass in more areas. So we really are wanting to leverage, you know, the tools that we have at play. I think that's one of the unique pieces with Yukon Health is that, you know, we went live in 2018, got through one major upgrade, and then the pandemic hit with all of the COVID initiatives that we really had to pivot. So now that we're on the other side, we're really thinking about how, how can we engage with our patients more? How can we make sure that they have a frictionless experience with our health system? And that's from soup to nuts, that starts from a prospective patient, you know, someone who might be shopping for services, all the way down to when do they get their bill. We want each of those touch points to be a seamless journey for the patient. And, you know, as you know, you get through and you have wonderful services and and you have a great experience, but then you get that bill and it's wrong that might ruin the entire experience. And so we're really mindful of that patient journey and trying to make it as seamless and frictionless as possible. Okay. And obviously there, there's so much that goes into that. That's a really, I would imagine, you know, multifaceted strategy. So can you talk a little bit about maybe how that's broken down? Absolutely. So, you know, I think the IT department, it's imperative that we're working both with marketing and the patient experience office as well as you know, our other business stakeholders throughout the organization, we really want to make sure that we're rowing in the same direction. So with the CRM module, that allows us to really think about not having a multitude of different vendors and thinking, how can we continue to streamline it? Because your source of truth is going to be your EMR. And so the more that it is native to the EMR, the less bolt-on solutions that you need. So I think that is something that we've, all of the executives share that same vision of, you know, how can we continue to improve this? So our first touch point in thinking about access is how can we make sure that our patients can request appointments? Do we have open slots on the provider schedules? And that has been a big project that we've been working with our operational counterparts on is changing that culture of practitioners letting go of their schedules and being able to meet the needs of their patients differently, not having all those blocks and and holds on their schedule and and letting the system and automation help fill some of those slots. Uh, Definitely a, a different perspective, but access, I would say, is where we're really targeting our focus now. And then also on the billing side, especially with different regulations that have come down with price transparency and shoppable services, we're making sure that we're meeting our patients' needs as well so that they can make informed decisions and you know, know exactly how much something might cost them at the end. Right. And in terms of, of being able to get that input, I know there's, there's different ways to do it, but what do you think has been the most effective way to really make sure that the patient's needs are being met when you have such a vast group of patients? Yeah, and something unique that UConn Health did, when I came here, we kind of looked at my chart steering and said, you know, maybe we need to do things differently. So what we created was a patient experience 
work group that is actually outside of the patient advisory council. So, you know, most hospital systems have their patient and family advisory councils. This actually sits within IT with our portal experts and analysts. And we surveyed patients to invite them to volunteer to sit on this work group. And we looked at a wide variety, you know, how often are they using the system? Do they have accounts at multiple health systems? You know, is English their second language? What's their age range? You know, so we wanted to really have a diverse selection of patient volunteers because then we have given them access to our test environment. So as new features, before they roll out, we bring it to that work group and we get their candid, honest feedback and we're able to pivot and rapidly make changes based on that feedback. So for example, it could be something like the verbiage across a page. While it might be clear to an IT teammate, it maybe didn't make as much sense or it wasn't as clear to that patient. So we're mm-hmm. able to, to quickly make those changes. So I think, you know, that voice of the consumer, the voice of the patient is so important. And, and that's just one way we're doing it. We also, of course, partner with the patient experience office and review press gainy results and comments that might get submitted. And any points of friction, anywhere we see, you know, that pain point that patient encountered, we really try to turn that into an actionable finding. What can we do differently? How can we make that improvement so that another patient doesn't have to go through that same pain point? Yeah, and it's really interesting how you do have that group outside of the you know, advisory, because as you said, that's giving you a different perspective and probably getting some pretty unfiltered comments at times. Yeah. And I'll give you another example. Sometimes they'll just bring forward suggestions um, that are homegrown. And sometimes those are the best suggestions. So for instance, you know, a patient had said, you know, there's a character limit when I message my provider, can we increase that character limit? And so we brought that to a MyChart work group where we socialized it amongst some of the clinical directors, and then they helped form a recommendation. Okay, let's go from 400 characters. We could either go up to 1,000 or maybe 1,500. And then that recommendation then goes to steering. MyChart steering, which we have many physicians you know, sit on that committee, are able to, to make the call and say, yes, let's increase it to 1,000. And then we can test that out and see if that's enough and also query the practitioners. You know, is that causing an undue burden, you know, by increasing that? Are the messages getting too lengthy? So that's, that continuous feedback loop is just so important. And we've had a lot of great suggestions come through that patient uh, experience, my chart work group. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of focus on access, which is hugely important. And I would imagine a lot of what you do is also looking at the, the caregiver experience. So I wanted to talk about kind of what some of the things are you're doing there to, to make sure that they are having a positive experience. Yeah, we're really using data to drive some decisions. So our focus next is going to be on some of the nursing documentation. With the shortage, the staffing shortage, with the burnout rate so high, we really want to look at the minutes and where are those nurses spending most of their time. I think our data shows that he or she is, you know, focused a lot on the flow sheets. So do we have redundancies? So we're using some of the tools to kind of tease out what is required versus what might be extraneous or duplicate documentation and how can we reduce that? And one of the ways that we're going to go about it is we just did a pitch for a nursing informaticist to help come in and really be that liaison between 
operations and the caregivers and the frontline workers and IT. An informaticist would typically have previous clinician experience, and then you know they could really help be a good translator for some of the recommendations that might come forth. So that's definitely an area we're going to pilot this. Yukon Health has not had an informatics team in quite some time. So we're looking to really try to build that back up because I think it's key in order to have all of our projects be more successful. We really have to make sure that we are understanding what problem are we trying to solve. And then let's look at some solutions or some potential ways to combat that problem and, you know, of informaticist that that liaison is really key to understanding the, the workflow. Yeah, and I know that when we met in person, we talked a little bit about that, and that's something that that stuck out in my head is the importance of having that informatics team, um, especially as things are always changing or as, you know, really always trying to make the EHR and other systems better. Correct, correct. And, you know, I think it's also when someone might be struggling, they might call in a ticket or, you know, um, engage an IT resource, and they might not realize that the request that they've made could have downstream impacts to someone else. And so I think that's where we really want to have some vetting of those requests and, and be able to better understand the problem. And it could be a training opportunity. It might not even require a bill change, perhaps it's an opportunity for that caregiver to understand a different way to do it, or maybe they weren't privy to, you know, a new feature or technology that could solve some of those problems. Mm-hmm. Right. So that sounds like the governance piece is so critical too. And I imagine that that's part of what, what you're focused on. Yeah. And we're still young in our PMO origination and IT governance and you know, I, I think all systems struggle with the same thing where there's never a shortage of work. There's, matter of fact, way more projects submitted than we could even get accomplished. And so it's really critical for those who sit on IT governance to make sure that we have true priorities, because if everything's a priority, then nothing is a priority. Right. And how can we better maybe get out of that vertical thinking and think more horizontally and really ensure that We are selecting projects that are agreed upon across the continuum and really um, supporting our larger organizational goals. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.